Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Todd Runstead, Senior Editor. So now you're Chief Commercial Officer. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's Baywood. A, um, that's a new C-level title. What, what does that mean? Well, you know, initially when I joined Cadenwood, um, they were strictly a CPG company, uh, consumer packaged goods. Yeah. And I came on board with a little bit more of an industry focus. Uh, and initially they had asked me to kind of look at integrating uh, a, a supply chain. And uh, from a commercial perspective, it was not just sales. It wasn't marketing. It was, you know, it was really taking an industry player from a processing and ingredient standpoint and seeing how we could integrate that commercially into the Cadenwood business. And, and that's kind of where that came from. Um, currently uh, moved into the position of president of EcoGen. So I'm, I'm, I'm relocated to Colorado and I'm working full-time uh, on the EcoGen project. Got it. And and so is that Western Slope? Is that like Grand Junction or? It is. I, I am a resident of Grand Junction, Colorado. All right. <laughs> I was passing through there a couple of weeks ago. I was heading down to Telluride. Um, that's yep. good. Could you d- just explain to me, because I know Caden Wood acquired Ecogen just last month uh, in August of 2020. And can you just describe what Ecogen does versus what Caden Wood does? I, I, I kind of got the sense that Ecogen was kind of a supplier and Cadenwood was the CPG, but do I have that right? That's correct. Yeah. So yeah. Cadenwood um, has retail brands and uh, really our leadership on that side of the business. Um, you know, they've been leaders uh, in consumer packaged goods, uh, many of the larger players in the space. Um, they know how to drive traffic in retail. They know how to, you know, market these products. And what they wanted to do was build a scenario where they had a vertically integrated supply chain. So they understood that genetics were an important piece of it. Uh, they wanted, instead of you know, just having genetics and a, and a retail product, they wanted to potentially integrate the processing, the farming, the extraction, the refinement. And uh, that is where Ecogen uh, really makes their mark. Uh, they're a global leader in quality and scale when it comes to processing. So we kind of looked around the marketplace to see who would be a, a really good fit. I mean best in class, you know, had all the capabilities and products that we were looking for, and that would potentially um, be a platform to build more retail brands, you know, on the ingredient base that, that they were producing. Right. And so these retail brands sounds like worldwide. You're not just uh, content with serving the U.S. market. Is that right? The retail brands are primarily U.S. at this time. Okay. Uh, Ecogen as an ingredient company is supplying all over the all over the world. Cool. All right. And gee, since you're the president of Ecogen, let's talk all over the world. Uh, well, first, so uh, are, are, is the Ecogen supply all grown in the U.S. or do you have kind of farms all over the world to serve those um, individual markets? Uh, we grow here in the U.S. So we have we have our own farm here on the Western Slope. We also provide genetics and contracts with other farmers around Colorado and, and uh, Oregon, Kentucky, uh, places you know the, the the hemp states. 
mm-hmm. uh, to grow to grow additional acreage for us using using our genetics. Got it. Got it. Hey, l- let me ask you just as an aside. Remember how there was a snowstorm last week, and um, yeah. it kind of did some damage to some Colorado growers, at, at least the ones here on the Front Range. How did you guys fare over there? Yeah, I, I was actually stuck in that coming from the Front Range. Uh, we, mm. I, I hit that snowstorm trying to make it through the pass, but uh-huh. uh, our farm has fared well. Uh, we, we were fortunately not affected by that storm being here in the Grand Valley. Um, we, we definitely have a different weather pattern than the, than the Front Range. Um, right. You know, it was unfortunate to hear about some of the losses, um, right. but it does sound like uh, there was there was a lot of a lot of crops that were able to be salvaged or make it through to harvest. So we're uh, we're optimistic that the uh, the market won't be impacted too greatly by the uh, by the storm. Right, you're right. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that's good. There was a lot of evasive action, you know, bamboo sticks and you know people doing whatever they could to. Uh, try to save their crops you know it was un- unfortunately early storm snow, yeah snow in colorado fires in oregon california I mean, it's been a challenging growing season uh, just oh, from I'll a say. natural yeah. disaster uh, perspective right 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 um so um ecogen i understand generated uh, north of 60 million dollars in revenues in 2019 nice and and closed on a 40 million dollar investment in 2020 which is in my mind second only to charlotte's web in their 100 million uh what what are you doing that's so right (laughs) i wish i could take credit for that as we uh you know obviously we closed on the acquisition last month um but uh, the business you know they were they were doing the right things they were you know building the brand um, they're putting out some of the best quality in, in the industry in the world, uh, in my in my view. Um, and you know we've we've taken the stance we're going to invest in, in in our capacity, our capabilities, and you know posture ourselves to be the global leader in the space. Yeah. So what what markets do you sell in other than the U.S.? Are you um, you know wh- where around the world are you going into? Yeah, so we are in Europe. We are in the UK, uh, depending on how you look at Brexit. Um, mm-hmm. So most of mainland Europe, UK, uh, Brazil, and uh, having conversations with uh, Asia Pacific. Um, we've I attended uh, uh, natural products uh, in in Asia last year and mm-hmm. um, a, sh- a show there. So I've got a I've got some contacts there that we're exploring uh, some options in Asia. They're very interested. In um, in U.S. product and uh, and same thing, you know, Australia is a is a stepping stone into Asia, the Asian market. Uh, Australia has a, um, a somewhat limited market. It's similar to the Canadian market at the moment, uh, where you have a prescription-based program. Uh, Brazil, Canada, uh, Australia, very similar programs. They're not just open retail like you see in the United States. Uh, mm-hmm. So those markets are are, are evolving. Uh, and there's a lot of interest from from the consumers in, in those markets. So we're we're posturing ourselves to be prepared to enter them, uh, you know, when 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 it's possible. Uh, Brazil, we're currently already selling into Brazil under Anvisa, and uh, and that's that's growing. And what did you? What was that acronym? Anvisa. Anvisa. Yeah, it's similar to the U.S. FDA. Uh, gotcha. 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 Um, yeah. Interesting. So 
it, it, it's very interesting when I look at the Canadian market, which legalized cannabis, let's say, but it kind of seems like marijuana, let's call it, is more, no wait, yeah, marijuana is more legal than CBD in Canada, which kind of seems almost backwards. Like, what, what's going on in Canada? I mean, come on, you got, you got the hockey finals and you got teams from Texas yeah. and Florida. What's wrong with Canada? <laughs> you know, it, we, it's a very interesting market. I mean, we've, we've, we've definitely, we are having conversations there. Uh, it's, it's challenging to, to move product. It's really not possible from the U S into Canada, except mm. through certain specific, very specific channels. Um, it, it, the, the biomass, the genetics so growing there and processing there is probably the future of the Canadian market as it stands. Uh, but as of right now, we, we don't do a lot of business in Canada. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think that as the industry evolves there and as regulations evolve, it'll be become uh, more of an opportunity. Yeah, you know, it seems like it seems like the uh, the bottleneck in the U.S. market, other than the regulations, is is processing, and and Canada seems to be way ahead of the game there. And so you had said processing is the future of the Canadian market. Is that just because of the infrastructure that they have there to deal with all manner of hemp, like CBD and otherwise? Uh, yeah. So I, I would say the U S processing capability for cannabinoids is actually greater. Um, mm. the genetics that are growing in Canada are mainly more geared towards industrial side of the business, industrial hemp, right. uh, that's used for fiber and seed production. Right. Um, so I, I'd say the U S production or processing uh, on the cannabinoid side is actually greater capacity um, hmm. it would be really easy for the u.s to service the canadian market if if you know the regulations uh would allow for it uh, uh right now so you know it's possible that the, the the production will have to be done in parallel up there uh almost separate uh because mm -hmm. the markets are really not servicing each other at the moment so the, if the regulations would allow it is that uh because of u.s regulations or canadian regulations or both um I, I believe Canadian right now. Mm -hmm. um, okay. I'm, not, I'm not an attorney, but uh, yeah, yeah. from what I understand, it's it's uh, it's complicated on the Canadian side of the on the Canadian side of the uh, border. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's so weird. It's like, yeah, we freed marijuana, but not really CBD. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah, we're even getting high on CBD. And yeah, I, I I was really waiting for some of those Canadian uh, beer companies like the Molson Coors. Um, to really start to experiment with with CBD, you know, as well as THC in in alcoholic beverages, it's like let's let's start getting creative here. Yeah, and I, I think we've we've all seen some of that coming. You know, I think there's a lot of interest in many of these markets and, and a lot of these different product applications. Um, I I don't think it's going to take long uh, before you start seeing that at a, a very large global scale. Um, you know, you're, you're hearing chatter from the FDA, you're hearing, uh, you know, European, um, you know, conversations as well. You know, I, I think once the dominoes begin to fall, you'll start seeing uh, a global uh, ease of, of regulation. Hmm. Yeah. And and what what kind of uh, what do you see happening in terms of product types? Like uh, and, and I'm thinking really kind of food and beverage, you know, like when you're talking supplements, yeah. it's like, okay, it's the oils and then, you know, some capsules and gummies and stuff like that. But do you see a, an opening for beverages? I would think first, and then maybe edibles or what? Yeah, I think beverage is going to be one of the largest segments of the market uh, from a revenue perspective. I mean, grab mm -hmm. and go, you think about convenience stores and things of that nature, basically the energy, 
you know, the energy section of the, of the beverage uh, aisle. Uh, I think there is going to be a significant, you know, revenue opportunity in beverage. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great margin product uh, and uh, it's high volume. So beverage, yeah. beverage will be one I keep my eye on. Uh, edibles, I, I believe, you know, there would be no reason why beverage would, would take off without edibles being shortly there behind it. I think mm-hmm. that some of the soluble technologies for beverage need some development. Um, mm-hmm. with, with beverage, it gets tricky because, you know, you, you put something into a sol- you need a soluble to go into a beverage. And uh, some of that can, you know, require some flavor masking, some bitter blockers and things that, you know, to make it palatable. Uh, but I think, you know, the food science will be there and some of the big guys will get in. Right, right. It, it, now, is any of that happening now anywhere in the world? You know, like like anything other than supplements or oils, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's happening here in the U.S. I mean, there there are beverages on the market today. Right. Um, and you're starting to see some of that in Canada as well, um, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, has, it, has it hit mass market, you know, millions of stores? Not yet. Um, but mm-hmm. I suspect it will here in the next uh, 12, 12 to 24 months. Oh, yeah. Okay. And and so what? Let's talk about what's happening in the rest of the world. Like, do you what? What do you what do you see happening in in the European markets? I'm kind of I'm a little confused. Like, because I think of the European Union as sort of like one block, like a United States of Europe. But then there also seems to be individual countries. You know, have individual regulations. Do I have that right? You can you can really think about it like the U.S. and the states, right? Each we have somewhat of a, a national. Or federal, you know, le- regulatory environment, and then you have each of the states that are kind of making their own uh, mm-hmm. regulations as well. So right. the independent nation states of the EU, you know, they're they're treating it differently from from country to country uh, sometimes. And uh, while there's an EU regulatory framework as well, so it is it is complex. Uh, I think mm-hmm. some of the some of the countries are are moving a little more quickly than others, or evolving more rapidly. Right. Um, and the UK seems to be getting going. I mean, coming out of COVID, you're starting to see some of these markets open up again. Uh, the demand has started to increase in the European uh, market, I believe, you know, from an ingredients perspective, which would indicate that retail is picking up as well. Uh, UK, you know, same thing. I think that we're optimistic that um, some of that retail trajectory has been returning here now that COVID has uh, begun to subside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's cool. So, and so I... I uh, can you speak at all to any individual countries in Europe? What what you see, like are sales going better? Like, like is 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 the UK the place for the best sales, and is Germany the worst? Or can you give me any insights there? I mean, yeah, I mean, from I don't have any retail data. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can just tell you that that UK, uh, you know, isolate has been a has been a a, a really uh, high volume ingredient base there in, in the UK. Uh, I believe that they've been using it in everything from topicals to uh, vape products, uh, things of that nature. It's very easy to formulate with, um, oh. whereas distillates and other uh, oil-based products are slightly more complex uh, to formulate with uh, for some right. of these products. So uh, isolate's been popular in the UK. Um, Germany's obviously re- seen some uh, some trouble with retail uh, with some regulatory issues there. Um, uh-huh. But we do a significant volume of business through Germany as from an ingredient basis, um, right. you know, with topicals and, 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 and other products like that. Yeah. I had, I was under the impression that, that Germany is kind of like the leading kind of processing, you know, extraction country there. But then I heard that they had like 
just like recently, like in the last couple months, like or maybe it was the end of last year, um, changed their kind of sort of retail regulatory environment. So it's like, yeah, you could still carry on the business of it, but you just can't sell it here. Is is that right? Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange environment. Um, you know, Europe does not process a ton of ingredients. Um, mm-hmm. Europe, you know, Germany included, I, I do believe they have some extraction, but it's really not on the scale as some of the largest producers here in the United States. Oh, yeah. Um, the U.S. really is a leader in global production of, of extraction, like cannabinoids and extraction and so forth, especially at the scale to service the, the, the global market. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it happens, you know, they do have some of that in Europe, but they're also working with a much different genetics basis in Europe that is, right. you know, lower concentrations of CBD per you know, per pound of, of products. So right. the U.S. really does have a leg up on the EU and it and actually makes sense to export from the U.S. into the EU. Hmm. Well, um, and with the glut from the 2019 kind of over harvest, you know, I understand what we're undergoing a large, uh, large scale storage experiment. Um, but yeah. uh, but is that an opportunity to to get rid of some of this excess by exporting it to Europe? Is, is that kind of the one of the big ideas? I mean, I don't see it as getting rid of the product. I think servicing a global market is is a platform that you work and and earn, quite frankly, through a mm-hmm. quality story. Right? Um, uh, Europe demands you know a very high level of quality, and I think that uh, meeting European standards for quality brings your U.S. quality standards up, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having to adhere to GMP standards and these types of things, uh, providing the documentation and accreditations required to do business in a lot of these uh, nations is, is quite stringent. And I believe right. that having an EU platform, you know, brings your global business uh, up to par. That's cool. Um and so to get into any of the individual EU countries, do you just have to hurdle the, 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 the bar of the EU and then maybe, and, and once you do, you do that, that increases your chances of getting into any of the European countries, you know, but, you know, maybe individual countries might be, have little other hoops to jump through, but, but, but if you could meet that EU bar, is that the way it works? Do it. Well, the big the big one on the table right now is the novel foods. Uh, novel mm-hmm. foods is essentially an application process that most most uh, producers are involved with, most CPG brands are involved with right now, getting mm-hmm. applications in for the novel foods uh, you know, process. And you know, we're 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 joining a consortium there that's uh, putting in applications. And uh, many many of these uh, European nations are looking to the novel foods process to clear products and make them available to the to the market there. Um, essentially that is the benchmark they're going to be doing safety testing and, um, it's a long process it's an expensive process but it's essentially to ensure that the products that are on the shelves are, are verified and uh, safe for consumption right um, do you, you know it, it seems like Europe has been kind of at the hemp growing game longer than the US has and it, and it, it seems like you know, I, I keep hearing you talk about genetics, and it, it takes a couple of years to get your genetics kind of nailed down, it seems. And so, so it is does that help kind of with the Europe quality play, even though the genetics that they're using are not producing high CBD um, plants? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's some nice genetics developing in the EU, uh, but the U.S. genetics have, have definitely been superior. I mean, you've got a lot of states here that are on the uh, on the medical marijuana side of things, on the mm-hmm. genetics there. I mean, the U.S. just has, I believe, more, more genetics development going on at the moment um, mm. across whether it be medical or on the hemp side, you know, separately. Uh, right. So there's there's quite a bit of genetics work being done to kind of push the envelope as far as CBD and cannabinoid concentrations um, and minimizing THC specifically on the, on the hemp side. Right, right. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, but do you, do, do you see, like, I, I would guess present company excluded, do you see the quality of U.S. because you have a lot of, a lot of new farmers jumping into the game? It's like, oh yeah, hemp, you know, I can grow corn, I'm going to grow hemp. And and maybe they realize it's not exactly the same, and so is right. is the qual is the U.S. quality kind of uneven. Yes, I would say that's probably an accurate statement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, and no fault of the farmer. I mean, there was kind of a boom going on, and you know, folks got bad seeds, bad advice. Um, right. You know, got into farming without having a uh, a contracted buyer for their product. Right. So a lot of it wasn't dried properly, harvested properly, stored properly, um, and some of that stuff has made its way into into the marketplace, and you know, it's resulted in less than you know less than desirable products. So yeah. uh, I think that there are a lot of folks that are doing it the right way. I believe that there are uh, good growers out there that uh, that have uh, a solid platform, and um, you know, I think I think that product is what the top brands in the, in the space are taking to the market and that's what the future of this industry is i think there was a first wave of farmers that kind of jumped in because it was the green rush mm-hmm. and um, they took their licks they learned their lessons and i think you'll see um, a, a more organized and thoughtful approach uh, going forward yeah that's interesting um so are, are are products different in the u.s than you might have in europe I, i'm thinking like strictly from a from a higher CBD content, but, but then also our product formats different, like, like are, are gummies a thing in Europe? They are, uh, very similar products. Um, some of these countries have different limits, uh, on THC specifically, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like Switzerland's not in the EU, but has a 1% limit on, on THC. So you'll see some formulation differences, uh, from, from country to country. Uh, from a regulatory perspective, but you'll see a lot of the same products, topicals, vapes, gummies, um, you know, oil tincture type products, uh, ingestibles. Right. Okay. So you, you said Switzerland has that 1% limit. I mean, that, that's what kind of the industry is kind of pushing for right now to get rid of the 0.3% and go to 1%. So is Switzerland kind of the outlier at this point? Like, yeah, yeah, we've got 1%, but the rest, like Canada maybe is only 0.2, is Europe 0.2, but Switzerland's kind of taking a different tack on that? I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, momentum towards moving towards a 1% threshold. It would make things easier on farmers. It would make things easier on, uh, you know, regulatory and and law enforcement. Um, but you know, I, I don't know where that will land. I mean, I just know that there's a lot of sentiment around moving towards a 1% uh, limit on THC and Delta. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we might have to wait until the next farm bill to, to get that, but, but you know, it seems like America really does, lead the world 
and I, I, I would, you know, like like when when the Obama administration said, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna bother states if you're abiding, you know, if your marijuana for is legal in your state, and boom, like overnight there was the green rush in Colorado, and 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 then all of a sudden, oh, you know, you have um, you know, what, what was it, uh, Ecuador or Uruguay. Um, you know, legalized it. And now it, the, the dominoes are falling all over the world. And now CBD is coming with this kind of arbitrary 0.3 or 0.2% thing. And I, what do you think the odds are if, if, if the U.S. said, yeah, okay, 1%, would, would that, would that uh, sort of provide a, you know, a, a sort of marker uh, for the rest of the world to say, oh, okay, yeah, we can go to 1%. Yes, I think the U.S. is certainly a regulatory leader. Uh, I think people follow the U.S.'s lead in a lot of cases. I think we'll see that with the FDA as well. So, you know, from the USDA, DEA, and FDA perspective, uh, I think setting a good policy here in the U.S. will set the tone for the global market. One last thing. Do you uh, know anything else on uh, the rest of the world, China, Australia, South Africa? Is there anything happening there that you can talk about? Yeah, I think Australia is moving more. You know, they're moving. They have a tra- trajectory like more like the U.S. I think they're, they're in a prescription-based program right now, but I think we'll see that evolve in the coming months. Um, and again, that is a stepping stone to Asia, and a lot of the products in the health market um, go through Australia and brands. Yeah. So we're very interested in the Australian market, um, you know, and, and as well as the Asian market. I think places like Thailand are very interesting. Um, they're starting to, to become uh, more receptive to these types of products. So South Korea, um, you know, it's a massive cosmetics market, one of the largest in the world. Uh, it will be a focus uh, for, for our business here in the, in the coming year. Cool. All right. Well, let's just call it at that, Garrett. It's really great to talk to you. I'm glad we, uh, we connected formally. Like I said, I, I know I've seen you. And um, congratulations on being the president of EcoGen um, and the, the, I guess, the larger Cadenwood um, uh, umbrella. And that's uh, a really good, high-quality, high-volume, scaled vertical um, hemp CBD uh, entity. Thank Keep you, going. Todd. I appreciate it. I look forward to the next conversation. Okay. Take care. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider Podcast. We are continually looking to improve your podcast experience and want to hear from you, the industry listener. Please take a moment to take our quick survey and provide your feedback at naturalproductsinsider.com slash podcast survey.